So the readings from Matthew 5, verses 3 to 6. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Thank you, Megan. Let's just pray together. Loving God, thank you that you speak through what you've already spoken. And we pray as we just reflect on these scriptures for a few minutes, that your spirit would speak to each and every one of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Lovely to see you here. I'm James. I'm the vicar here. And uh, it's really lovely just to kind of add my welcome uh, to you all uh, this afternoon. So I'm going to start uh, with a question. It's not a difficult question, but it's one that I imagine nobody at Top Church ever, ever gets involved in because you, let's face it, the godliest people on the planet, really. So, so I'm going to ask if any of you know anybody who does this because none of us would ever do it. Are you ready? Should be a slide coming up soon, Joe. Is gossip. Does anybody here ever gossip? Be honest. Be, you're not, you're not yeah, a li- yes, gosh, yeah, slowly but surely there's a meeting. Well, here's the thing. Do you know, it is the most natural thing in the world to do if you are human to talk about other humans, okay? It's the most natural thing to do. I bet when you go home from church, you're driving or walking home, you might, you might just talk about Sarah, wouldn't you? If she's been preaching, you say, why isn't she the vicar instead of that stupid short bloke with no hair, you know? an age thing uh you know or you might you might talk about dave and say he's he's got a voice like chocolate when he sings doesn't he melts in your mouth or whatever it is but you you will we will naturally talk about each other won't we and and most of that is really healthy and most of that is a really good thing because it just i've upset dave oh no oh no uh it just you know it helps us kind of work people out and process it and know who's safe and who's good and all that sort of stuff um but, you know, we all know there's the kind of the bad side to it when it's, we're being horrible about it. You know, I'm not interested in that sort of thing. But um, have you ever been in a more kind of other situation in your work, if you go to work and you've been in a work context or you've ever served in what's called a PCC, which is... Um, Demonic? No, it's a, it's a leadership system in the church. It, not really. It's a beautiful thing. Um, um, and you have to take the minutes. Melissa has to do this, I know. But has anyone ever been in a work contest where you have to take the minutes? And you have to try and remember who said what. It is a nightmare, isn't it? Because you're listening, you write it down, and then you give other people the minutes. They, oh, I didn't say that, and they said that, and they said that. It's, it's just a big kind of task, isn't it? Or were, or a more kind of serious situation, if you go to see a doctor or a consultant and and you really want to remember everything they say because you've got your sort of three minutes to get your life sentence or whatever. You're in there and uh, you take somebody with you and, and you're trying to rem- remember it all and they're taking notes. And then you go out after and you say, what did they say? Do they say this? Do they say... And, and you're trying to piece it together. Do you know that kind of feeling? And you're thinking... I can't quite remember what they said. And then, and then the two of you have got different opinion on what they said and, and you're trying to kind of fit all the pieces together. Does anybody know that kind of scenario? Whatever it is where you're trying to, a couple of you are trying to, what did that person say? And da, da, da. I often get it when I, when, you know, after I've spoken, people would say, you know, that point you made about this, James, was really, really good. And I never made it. I never made that point. They're thinking, uh, think, probably thinking of one of Sarah's preachers, to be honest. But, but you just sort of, you know, go along with it and um, just enjoy the moment, really, I do. Uh, so... 
thank you very much. So, uh, but that's the thing, that we don't always remember things accurately, do we? We don't always quite remember things accurately, and particularly as, dare I say, one gets older, it's more of a challenge, isn't it? Some of us will know, isn't that, isn't that right, um, Sarah? So, you know, as one gets older, you can't always kind of remember. Well, well, if that's some of the challenges we've got, then we're in exactly the same boat as the early disciples. They were in exactly the same situation, that actually... When they started to write down the Gospels and kind of pass it on, it was about 30 years after uh, the life of Christ. And they're all trying to kind of remember, well, what did, you know, did Jesus say that? I'm sure he kind of said that, but did he say that? And so when you go through the Gospels and, and you read them and you compare the Gospels, sometimes they say slightly different things. Have you ever noticed that? Do you, are you allowed to notice it? Or are you a true evangelical and never notice it? Uh, you know, you're allowed to notice that sometimes the Gospels say that Jesus said this and that and the other. And I know what you've been thinking throughout the Beatitude course. I know, I can see it in your eyes. You've been saying, it's all fair, all, all I can't think of the word now. Uh, but it's all, you know, it's all fun and games, James, talking about Matthew and going on about his Beatitudes. But what I want to know is, what was going on with Luke? That's what you were thinking, weren't you? I could tell you. are thinking, what's going on with Luke? Well, hopefully you will see. So uh, there should be an next slide, and that remind me what I'm saying. So, uh, so in Matthew, Jesus says this. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. But then Luke says, blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. So slightly kind of different things. So, so Matthew's saying, making it quite a spiritual thing that, you know, if you thirst and hunger for righteousness, you'll be filled. But Luke's saying, you know, if you're just hungry, like, if you're just hungry, then, um, uh, then you, you know, you will be satisfied that the kingdom is coming and you will be fed. But Matthew's saying, no, it's a rather kind of, it's more of a for spiritual thing, really. It's about sort of hungering and thirst to, for kind of righteousness. So who is right? What did Jesus actually say over to Felucio for that one. Uh, so I'm going to come back to that uh, in a little minute. So I want you just to hold that thought, okay, about the slight differences between Matthew and Luke. And I want us to think a little bit about righteousness, because righteousness is one of the key themes there. That word satisfied there is the same as kind of similar to righteousness. So can you remember that um, Sarah took us in the TARDIS last week, but a couple of weeks ago we got into the TARDIS, a box full of wires, and we kind of went through, we looked at how the Beatitudes have been interpreted and understood differently at different times, and that if we had lived in different times, perhaps we would have thought differently about what each of these sort of things meant. It's a little bit like that with this word righteousness, which sounds a very kind of heavy religious word. The kind of church I grew up in, um, you know, we were all falling short of kind of God's glory and his righteousness. It was, it was a word in, back in my day, it's kind of banded around a lot that, you know, God was righteous and we're unrighteous and he really doesn't like you, but it's your lucky day because he sent Jesus. And, you know, it's a really kind of heavy kind of word. And, and, and it felt like it was all about God was totally right and we were totally wrong. And then others have thought, no, righteousness is sort of like... Um, do you know sort of people who are kind of perfect? Do you, do you know what I mean? But they're not really, but they think they are. Do you, do you, do you know, don't look at anyone now. But do you know what I mean? That, that sort of kind of self-righteousness, you know, that kind of sort of piety. I can, awful things are coming to my mind of certain people I've known over the years. Nobody here, to be honest. But that kind of self-righteousness that they, you know, they always do their quiet time. Do, do you know what I mean? They always do it or they always, you know, and they're the kind of people who say when, I, when they say, oh, I pray for you, they will as well. Do you know what I mean? Not like most of us, you know, but they're the proper Christian, you know, and, and so sometimes you think that righteousness is that kind of, 
like a self-righteousness, a, a sort of, like a piety. Do you know what I mean? Like an, a good old-fashioned sort of piety. And so sometimes we think of that word. So when we're thinking about these Beatitudes, it's about righteousness. We have kind of like through the ages picked up like a magnet, picks up kind of, is it metal or something, whatever it picks up, or it picks up all these things, that we pick up all these different ideas and it kind of stops us sometimes from seeing it in a fresh and exciting way. So what I wanted to suggest is this, that if you go back to the Greek, another word that you, that's more and more being used to translate the word righteousness is justice. Is justice. It's one that we can grab hold of and one that we can understand a little bit more clearly. So next slide, thank you, Joe, and that will uh, remind me what we're up to. So, so I want us to think about justice, and I want us to think a little bit about this, that what happens if we blend a little bit of Matthew and Luke, okay? Now, remember, they didn't, they didn't really know, uh, they, 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 they didn't necessarily know what the others were writing at the time, so they're trying to work it out on their own, bless them. But if we blend them, and if we actually, they kind of work together, Matthew, and if Luke works together, then suddenly, and we think of it as the word justice, which is, if you, you can, I was going to say, if you don't believe me, you can Google it, so therefore, you know, that's not necessarily the right thing, but, but it, you know, it's, it's, you can see it on Google and Bible concordances, that if you go back to the Greek word, it's that kind of idea of justice, is that right, Anna? Anna did theology at university, so we're all all right, we're okay, and so if we think about that idea of justice, and if we blend what Luke is saying, and if we blend what Matthew is saying, and we kind of put them together, then really we start to understand this, that hungering for God's justice is because the hungry need justice. So the two really work together, that if we're hungering and thirsting for justice or righteousness, and then if Luke says actually it's the actual hungry people who need righteous and need that, need that justice, we can see how the two kind of work together. So rather than being this kind of, what, you know, what did he say? But actually we see how the two kind of blend together. That what Jesus is calling for us to do is to hunger and thirst for justice, for righteousness. And that's where the blessing is, says Jesus. Next slide, thank you, Joe. And so as we, there should be, is there another? Yeah, brilliant. So as we kind of draw this little thoughts to an end we recommend we understand this and we often come back to this at um top church time and time and again for me it's been really a crucial way of, of really understanding uh, what it you know what it means to follow jesus is that i'm always reminded that following jesus is personal and it's political so it's p- always personal and it's always political what i mean by that is is that you see that in those beatitudes so luke is saying if you're hungry you know jesus really wants to literally feed you he wants to make sure that you've got food you know christians have always um always been at the kind of uh, the front of kind of feeding people william booth back in the day with the salvation army used to say you can't tell anybody that god loves them if they've got an empty stomach you know you have to feed people so it's always that personal aspect when you follow jesus you know my hope and my prayer is here that actually you you experience something yeah like something happens in you that you feel like god is there and he loves you and cares for you and he's he's real and you know you might even think actually i might become a christian you know this kind of this lot look all right actually and because something happens in you where jesus becomes very personal not private but it's real I meet so much at the Anglican Church. It's this sort of an inherited civic duty sense of faith rather than this sense of a personal faith in Jesus, that Jesus has come and 
met you and done something with you and transformed you. And, and if you don't know it, it just sounds so weird, but it's the most, one of the most wonderful experiences uh, you can ever have. And so following Jesus is a deeply, deeply personal. It's, um, Suzanne Wesley, you know, John and Charles Wesley founded Methodism. Their mum, uh, it was when at communion where she had that personal encounter with Jesus when the priest said to her, uh, Susanna, the body of Christ given for you. She suddenly thought, wow, for me, for me. That's what's so cool about communion because most of us dip in and, in, in and out of our worship songs and, and dare I say, dip out of most of our sermons and that kind of stuff. But actually when it comes to communion, as Felicia gives you the bread and you receive the wine, it's personal. It's for you. And that's the beautiful thing. That's why we love a bit of communion and commit us on a third today. You know, that, that, that's why we do it because it's personal. But following Jesus doesn't end there. It's also political. What I mean by that, I don't mean like is Jesus Labour or, excuse me, or Tory or the Green Party or whatever. What I mean is that Jesus has a social side to him. Following Jesus is political because if there's hungry people literally the job of followers of Jesus is to get the justice so they are fed and they do get their their needs met following Jesus means that we create spaces where people can gather and talk together and build relationships and feel that they belong together following Jesus is highly political as well as personal it has a social consequence and so what we want to try and do at top church and throughout the church is really in Dudley, is, is to convey that kind of this is what it means in shorthand to follow Jesus, to live out the Beatitudes. It's deeply personal, but it's deeply political as well. We get involved in things. You know, I'm um, really lucky. I've got such a lucky job that I, um, or blessed or whatever, is I inherited, um, not inherited, I've got to be chair of a little charity because it's some historic charity where the rector gets to be the, the chair. And it's a very small little charity that uh, gives away money to under people who need it in education, under 25 families that we can help. There's not much money there, but you know, it's, it's a couple of grand or whatever and we give away, it's fantastic. But I was talking to one of the head teachers of a local school and he was telling me about, at the moment, I don't know if any of you know the Quality Hotel in Dudley. It isn't quality, but um, the Quality Hotel in Dudley. So it's got, in, in the rooms there, there, there's families there, living there, uh, asylum seekers who are waiting to be processed. These aren't the, these young men who come over on the boat. The, these are families from Afghanistan and Iran who have been persecuted. And the kids aren't allowed in the corridor because the paying guests don't like it. So you've got kids who are at school, tr trying to learn at school, but there's three of them and mum and dad in one room. Now that is, that's an injustice. That's down, down the road. It's from it's Birmingham City Council who, who have done it, who have paid the quality hotel for that to happen. And so following Jesus, you're listening there to the head teacher trying to work out how do I create an environment where they somehow they can still learn despite that. It's following Jesus, it's political. Do you, do you see, it's about that justice but as well as being deeply, deeply personal. And that's the call of Jesus on our lives. And if we can hold those two together, well, that would be a really cool thing. Not always easy to do. Not always, sometimes we kind of swing one way or the other. But if we can somehow hold them together and communion helps us to do that, then uh, we'll be on the right track. So that's what Jesus, I think, meant by blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for justice, for they will be filled. Probably be quite tired as well, but they will uh, be filled. So we pray together. Lord Jesus, it's um, such a pleasure following you and uh, doing, trying to live out what it means to follow you in our little place here, Lord, in Dudley and beyond. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would know it's deeply personal following you, that we really do experience something of your love and tenderness. 
but we'd also know it's political or we want to make a difference to the places that we find ourselves in, whether it's in big ways or just small ways of just being friendly and caring towards others. So Father, help us, we pray. Send your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.